Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. We're going to be in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 here this morning. And uh, we have been spending a few weeks on the second coming of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's really not a matter of if Jesus will return, but a matter of when Jesus will return. And I had said that, uh, you know, if, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, his return is something that you need to be focusing in on. Not so much as of, you know, the timeline of events or, you know, oh, I think this is the mark of the beast or, oh, I think this is the antichrist, you know, that kind of stuff. But really our hearts, our minds need to be focused in on who Jesus is, um, how he's going to return, what he says he's going to do, all those types of things. And, you know, really, Jesus is really the main event, right? Like, it's, it's not all these other things that, uh, you know, we, we see about in Scripture. Jesus Christ is the main event. That's what our, our attention and focus needs to be on. And uh, one of the things that you'll find in Scripture is this recurring theme, and it's the, 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 the phrase, the day of the Lord, okay? It's a, it's a thing that, that, that is recurring constantly throughout Scripture. We find it in the Old Testament uh, and even in the New Testament. Uh, we, we find it referenced as uh, the day of the Lord, that day, the day, the day of God, uh, the day of Christ, the day of Christ Jesus. We also find it referenced as the great day of God and the Lamb's wrath and the great day of God, the Almighty. And so this is something that is, that is clearly referenced throughout all of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. Um, it's not something that was just kind of cooked up last minute. I mean, God has been talking about his return to this earth to rule and to reign uh, all the way through the Old Testament and all the way through the New Testament. And these are, these are not really like these wishful fantasy type fables. I mean, this is truth that God says that is going to happen. And so since this is something that is repeated often in Scripture, we need to take notice of that and to realize that, yes, Jesus Christ is going to return. And when he returns, how is that going to look like? When Jesus Christ returns, how is that going to look like? In fact, it tells us in Second uh, Peter uh, 3, 3 through 7, that says that uh, in the last days, uh, let me read it for you. It says, know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. And so Jesus Christ is going to return. 
And when he returns, it's going to be a, uh, um, an event. It's going to be something that all the world will know. It's not going to be something secretive, uh, as the uh, Jehovah Witnesses uh, teach that Jesus Christ came back secretly in 1914. Okay, his, uh, his return was invisible. Okay, uh, when Jesus Christ returns, it is going to be visible. Uh, every eye will see him. And what is that going to look like? Well, and so that's what I really want you to take away with you uh, this morning. Jesus is returning. What should we expect? And so let's look here at our uh, scripture here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to begin reading here in verse number 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for helmet the hope of salvation. And so first of all, I want you to notice is that his return will be like a thief in the night to those who are in darkness. Now, it's interesting to note that the phrases that Paul uses here, because look at the phrases that he uses here, verse number one. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, and then he uses this phrase, like a thief in the night. These are the same phrases that Jesus used when he was talking about his return. He talked about how he's going to return like a thief in the night. And he even talked about the fact of knowing the times and the seasons. Now, we may not know the exactly exact day or the hour, because even Jesus himself says that no man knows that, not even himself. Only the Father in heaven knows that. But he's using the same type of language that our Lord used here in uh, Matthew 24. And Jesus in his teaching, and Paul here also is telling these believers something very important. And that is to be alert and be watching for his coming. He says, you know the times, you know the seasons. We may not know the exact day, we may not know the exact hour, but we do know the times and we do know the seasons. Just like when it comes harvest time. We know the time and we know the season, right? We know that things are getting close. And Paul is saying here, he says, now concerning the times and the seasons of our Lord's return, you have no need to have anything written to you. We don't have to sit there and go through all of this stuff again, he's saying. He said, we don't have to sit there and write all this stuff down again because you know this. You have known this ever since what our Lord said and what he taught us. But he's telling us to be alert and watching for his coming. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 42 through 43. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming 
But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. And so the point of the day of the Lord coming like a thief in the night is that it will be sudden and it will be unexpected. You also see Paul uses some other terminology that Jesus used in reference to a woman with labor pains. John just shared with us about uh, his uh, sister-in-law, right? Sister-in-law that um, was uh, going through the labor pains. And for us men in here that are married, and you know that uh, when your wife was expecting and that labor hit, right? It's unexpected. Now, they may have known the time and the season of that happening. You know, I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to have a baby. Look, I'm going to have a baby, right? But the moment it started, uh, it was unescapable. It came upon them very quickly. And uh, we'll we'll talk about that uh, some more in some weeks to come. But the main idea of the labor pains for the pregnant woman is that they are inescapable. Look what he says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Ladies, when you are in labor pain, can you escape that? No. Nothing you can do comes upon you. There's nothing you can do about it. And that's what our Lord is trying to teach us and even what Paul is teaching us here is that his return will be like a thief in the night to those who are in darkness and it's gonna come. Sudden destruction is going to come upon those that are in darkness. Now, when Paul says the people will be saying, look what he says here. He says, while people are saying there is peace and security. Now, notice that there's quotes around that. And so he's pulling from an Old Testament source here. And more than likely, he's pulling from either Jeremiah and Ezekiel. When Jeremiah and Ezekiel, these Old Testament prophets, were prophesying against uh, uh, Jerusalem and, and what they were doing and, and how they were going after false gods. And they're saying, hey, uh, you guys need to repent. You need to repent. You need to repent. Destruction's coming. Destruction's coming. And yet there were all these other people there in Jerusalem. They were saying, no, 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 no. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. It's peace and safety, folks. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. But what did happen? Destruction did come, right? Babylon came in uh, and they took the people captive. They destroyed the city, tore down the walls, uh, ransacked the, uh, uh, the temple there, destroyed it. And God is trying to teach us something here that Jesus will return like a thief. It'll be sudden destruction to those that are in darkness. And so the picture here is that people will be enjoying a time of peace and prosperity, probably even under the initial rule of the Antichrist. Everything's going to be fine. And if you have not awakened to this idea of what is going on in our world right now, Everything that is happening, this is worldwide stuff that is going on, worldwide. We see things falling apart, crumbling, falling apart before our very eyes. And 
People are going to be looking for a solution. People are going to be looking for an answer to fix all of these things. And then there might just happen to be some guy that shows up and says, hey, peace and prosperity, folks. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Don't believe it. Why? Because sudden destruction is going to come. It's just kind of like the way that uh, Lot's son-in-law uh, thought that he was joking about the doom of Sodom, as you read in Genesis 19, You're joking and laughing about that, oh, no, 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 you're crazy, you're crazy, that's not gonna happen. But what did happen? God brought uh, judgment upon uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Revelation 18 actually presents the same picture of worldly Babylon when the Lord returns, it tells us that she'll be prosperous and secure, living for pleasure without God. But suddenly, in one hour, destruction will come upon her and her great wealth will be laid waste. Look at that word that Paul uses here. This is an interesting word because he says here there is peace and security. People are going to be saying there's peace and security. Then sudden destruction, that word destruction the word that uh, John uses in uh, Revelation here and also the way that Paul uses it, uh, it, it's not referring to annihilation here. Okay? It's not the fact that they are annihilated. But the word is literally in the sense that it's the loss of life, that that which is really life. That which is life the loss of life that that which is really life. In 2 Thessalonians 1.9, the same word is used to describe eternal banishment from the Lord. And so it's giving this meaning here, this picture for those who do not know Christ. When Christ returns, he will be unexpected like a thief and there will be no escape from his judgment at all. Just like as a woman goes into labor pains, there will be no escape from that judgment at all. No escape whatsoever. And it's the fact that there will be sudden destruction, there will be this banishment from the living presence from the Lord. But what about for believers, right? Because this is for those that are in darkness. These are people that do not know the Lord. That's how Jesus is gonna return, like a thief in the night, sudden destruction, these people are in darkness. But what about for us as believers? Well, we continue reading, and Paul even answers that question for us. Secondly, his return will be expected to those who are children of light and day. Look what Paul writes here. But you are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Now, as we look at these next set of verses, it's important to understand, understand that there's, there's many varying viewpoints here about where the church is going to be when Jesus returns. There's some that believe in what we call a uh, pre-tribulational rapture, meaning the fact that the church is going to be taken out uh, before the tribulational time. 
Then there's some that believe in what is called a mid-tribulational rapture, meaning that if you look at the, uh, the tribulational time, which is a seven-year period, there's three and a half years of tribulation. Then the church is taken out. Then there's another three and a half years of great tribulation. Okay? Then there's another view that is called post-tribulational rapture, meaning that the church will go through all seven years of that tribulational time when Jesus returns. Now you say, Mike, which view do you uh, hold to? It's really not that important what I hold to, okay? Because we can get into a lot of arguments and disagreements about who's right, who's not right. We can sit there and draw timelines and charts of this is what I believe, and oh, what about this scripture, this scripture, this scripture? That is not important. What is important is the fact that we are expecting Jesus to return. Because look what the scripture says, but you are not in what? darkness. For that day, what day? When Jesus returns to surprise you like a thief. So Jesus is going to return. He's going to come like a thief to those that are in darkness, but to us that are of the children of light and children of the day, it's not going to be surprising to us at all, one bit, because we're expecting it, and we should be expecting it. Because like, even didn't Jesus even tell us, he says, when you see these things happening, when you see this stuff happening, look up. Why? Because your redemption draws nigh. And so we need to be expecting uh, the return of Jesus Christ. Now, the darkness that Paul refers here is both spiritual and moral darkness. In Ephesians 4, 18 through 19, Paul refers to unbelievers who are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they have become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Does that not describe our world and our culture today? Listen again. It says they're darkened in their understanding. They're excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Romans 1.21, Paul refers to those who knew God but did not honor him as God or give thanks. And as a result of that, it says that their foolish heart was darkened. And as a result, as we read in Romans 1, 24 through 31, that God gave them over to the lust of their own heart and gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. But when God saves us, what does he do? He transforms us. He changes us from darkness to light, from being in the dark to being in the day. There's a huge transformation process that takes place. And so for us that know Christ, we're not in the darkness anymore. We're in light. We're sons of light. We're sons of the day. We're no longer in darkness. And so when Christ returns, his return is not going to catch us off guard because we're children of the light. We should be expecting it, and we should be uh, looking forward to that. 
Colossians 1, 12 through 13 teaches us that he rescues us from Satan's domain of darkness and transfers us to Christ's kingdom of light. In Ephesians 5, 7 through 10, Paul says this, therefore do not be partakers with them. Who's them? The children of darkness. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. We also reminded by the words of our Lord Jesus in John chapter 12, verses 35 through 36, Jesus replied, the light is with you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness may not overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. And when Jesus had said these things, he went away and hid himself from them. So there's a distinct contrast between unbelievers and believers. Those who know the Lord and those who do not know the Lord. Those that do not know the Lord are in darkness. And when Jesus returns, he will be like a thief, unexpected, totally caught off guard. But to us who know the Lord, who have been saved, we are children of the light, we are children of the day, and his return will be expected. We will be looking forward to it. We will be ready for it. I don't know about you, but this world is starting to leave a very bad taste in my mouth. More and more, I'm starting to find myself just really disinterested, dissatisfied with the things of this world and the pleasures of this world. That's a good thing. Because why? Because we seek a heavenly kingdom. We seek a future kingdom. And it will be expected when Jesus returns for us. Now, believers will not be surprised when the day of the Lord returns. And if that is true, then these next set of verses that Paul is going to talk about here are really going to give us instructions for believers how we should be prepared for his coming. Okay? Let's look what, what Paul writes here. Be prepared for his coming. So then, let us not sleep. If you are of light, if you are of the day, if you're children of light, children of the day, do not be asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. You see, the certain coming of the day of the day of the Lord should motivate us to live in line with what we are in the Lord. If you are a child of light, if you are a child of the day, then we need to be living that way because we're expecting his return. We should be expecting his return. I take these phrases here about sons, the children of light and of day to be synonymous. And this is our position in Christ. We are children of light. We are children of the day. That's our position in Christ. But that position requires action. It's not so much to say, I'm a child of God, or I'm a child of the light, or I'm a child of the day. It requires action on our part. 
And what is that action? Look what he says here. Let us not sleep, but be alert and sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. That requires action on our part to be prepared for his coming. Look what he says here, others. Look at this word, others. I love this, verse number six. So let us not sleep as others do. Who are the others? They're the unbelievers. They're the ones that are over there sleeping away, getting drunk. They're not alert. They're not gonna be expecting the Lord's return. It's gonna come like a thief, unexpectedly, sudden destruction right upon them. But he says, you're not like these others, but let us keep awake and be sober. Look at verse number seven. For those who sleep, for those who sleep, this is a, probably an illustration of the principle from the natural world. People, when do people generally sleep? I mean, normally. When do people normally sleep? James, what, what day? At night. At night, right? Okay. Some people sleep during the day if they're working, you know, third shift or something like that, right? Uh, for you parents, sometimes you try to sleep when you can, right? <laughs> okay. So, but he's saying here something. He's like, look, for those who sleep are sleeping at night. And those that get drunk, they usually get drunk at night. And those who sleep spiritually are in spiritual darkness, either like those physically asleep or like a drunk who has no idea of the dangers that are around him. Because it's all at nighttime, this stuff is going on. But they will be caught by surprise when the day of the Lord returns upon them. The Bible has many scenes of sleeping people who are oblivious to physical, uh, uh, physical or, or spiritual danger. Some were unbelievers, some were believers. Um, there's a story about Sisera, who was an enemy of Israel, uh, who was uh, running away from uh, the army of Israel. And uh, this man, he finally decided to take comfort. He comes upon a tent and he goes into the tent and he's like, oh man, I can finally find some comfort. And he goes into this tent and there, there's a woman by the name of Jael who invited him in. And after he fell asleep in her tent, she did what? She takes a tent peg and drives it through the side of his temple. Wham, boom, totally caught that guy off guard, right? What about Samson? Remember Samson? Here he is. Uh, judge of Israel, and uh, he's there to be delivering Israel. But what did Samson do? Fell asleep, didn't he? Fell asleep in uh, uh, the barber chair of Delilah there, and she takes out the scissors and right. Samson, the Philistines beat upon you. What does he do? Gets up, all of a sudden realizes that his strength is gone. And so it's very important for us to remember that we don't need to be asleep as others do. We need to be awake. We need to be sober about what is going on. Uh, our Lord reminded us in uh, Matthew 25, he gives us the parable of the 10 virgins. And in his parable of his second coming, you have 10 virgins. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. The five wise ones made sure that their lamps were always ready. 
They made sure that they had enough oil in their lamps. But the five foolish virgins, what did they do? Boy, they got caught off guard, didn't they? They weren't prepared. And when the bridegroom came, their lamps were going out. And they said, oh, hey, quick, 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 give us some more oil. We need some more oil for the lamps. And they're like, hey, we can't do that or else we won't have enough oil. And so it's very important for us to be awake and not be asleep because Jesus even said in his application, be on the alert then for you do not know the day nor the hour. And so that's Paul's application here. Don't be asleep, be alert, be sober. Notice the phrase here, having put on. I like this, having put on. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on. This can also be translated as putting on. So having put on or putting on, there's, there's this constant uh, action of putting it on. Be what you are. And what are we supposed to be putting on? Look at this. The breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And so he says, look, as a believer in Christ, you need to be prepared. Don't be, don't be spiritually asleep at the wheel here. Right? Be awake, be sober, be vigilant. Be putting on the spiritual armor, being ready for the day of Christ when he returns. Now look at this. I love this, what he says here. Look at these words he uses. He uses breastplate of faith and love, helmet, the hope of salvation. Do these phrases sound familiar to you? It should. Can anybody give me where Paul had maybe talked about spiritual armor before? Ephesians 6, right? What about these words, faith, hope, love? Does that sound familiar? Where does he talk about that at? 1 Corinthians 13, right? Okay. In fact, Paul uses spiritual armor in several other places. We find it in Ephesians 6, 11 through 20, Romans 13, 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 7, and 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 4. And Paul is using this analogy of the spiritual armor, assigning these different meanings to the various pieces. In Ephesians 6, for example, the breastplate is righteousness. But here, what is it? He says the breastplate of faith. But in Ephesians 6, we find that it's the shield of faith, right? Well, that's interesting. So Paul is here, he's pointing to the fact that our hope, our future, everything is supposed to be pointing towards Christ. Who is our righteousness, folks? Jesus. Who is our faith? Jesus. Who is our hope of salvation? Jesus. Who is the gospel of peace? Jesus. It's all about Jesus. We have to be prepared, making sure that we are putting on Jesus Christ every single day, being what we are. If we are children of the light, then actually live that way. Put on Christ every single day of your life, being prepared for his second coming. And so in our text, Paul says that as believers, we must put on these, this armor and Paul describes this armor with the, these very three important Christian virtues. Look what he says here. Faith, love, and hope. I can't tell you how important it is for as believers in Christ that we are maintaining faith, love, and hope. 
Do you know what we've been seeing going on in the past year in this world, what the world has been giving us? Fear, despair, and what else? Hatred. As a Christian, we need to be very alert and always be putting on faith, love, and hope. Not falling for what the world says, not falling for what the world has been pumping out. We need to be putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, expecting his return. Because those in darkness, he's gonna come like a thief. It's gonna be totally unexpected. But to us that are children of light, that are children of the day, we will be expecting it. Don't be asleep, be vigilant. Be putting on the Lord Jesus every single day so that way you will be expecting his return. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. Thank you.